When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the CHGO White Sox podcast coming to you live from Studio B of our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. You can follow me at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. You can follow the show at CHGO underscore White Sox. Got the full CHGO White Sox crew. That's Vinny Duber. You can follow him at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. And the man in the middle is Herb Lawrence. Hello. And you can follow him at Ecknerwall23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. We're being produced today by Sarah. Hi. Hello. Uh, and make sure you're hitting that like button. Make sure you're hitting that subscribe button. We currently have a real-life hockey player in Studio A. So we're there. And surprisingly, he came to our, our, our work when it's negative three degrees Dude, it's out. It's so cold. I didn't want it's to come so to work. so cold. Yeah, negative yet what was was it yesterday morning i woke up and it felt the feels like was negative 30 no thanks have fun that's bad did you go out and get some mcdonald's breakfast absolutely not i stayed inside i just stayed inside for like three straight days it was pretty <laughs> great um i'll tell you what don't mind the relocation to studio b today because it's nice and toasty in here mm-hmm. yeah, you had to take off your sweatshirt i did I'm, oh i'm tanning in studio <laughs> b. sweating um we have you know uh, we have a show today. Um, we have more updates on Dylan Cease. I don't think that we can be more informed on Dylan Cease, honestly, <laughs> at this point. Uh, maybe he'll get traded. Maybe he won't be. Uh, and then we'll jump into some international signings, uh, some that we have known about and we can give a little bit more color to uh, that have been announced. Uh, some minor league signings, uh, some pitchers that have been uh, signed to the minor leagues for the uh, the Sox organization. And then uh, finally, uh, a little bit of a, the mailbag Monday from our, uh, from our Discord. So uh, make sure you're hitting that thumbs up button. Make sure you're hitting the subscribe button uh, and if you aren't yet uh, go sign up to be uh, a diehard and to join our discard um, and it is a Joe Barlow emergency podcast so thank you Dan from the 219 for joining us uh, Dylan Cease Ken Rosenthal put out a piece on Saturday Bob Nightingale put out his usual Sunday notebook piece on Sunday uh, and uh, two interesting you know news and notes from both pieces. Uh, Ken, I think most interestingly uh, mentioned that the Dodgers were trying to send Michael Bush to the White Sox. So now we can kind of figure out that Ryan Pepio is apparently an interest of the White Sox. He's now a Ray. Uh, Michael Bush was an interest of the White Sox. He's now a Cubs. Well, was he an interest of the White Sox or, Sox or was he an interest in the Dodgers getting rid of him? Because yes, it right. sure seems like the White Sox have a first baseman and weren't terribly interested in bringing Michael Bush aboard. That's according right. to according to what, what what was written, yeah. Before, yeah. before trading infielder Michael Bush to the Chicago Cubs, the Dodgers included him in some of their offers to the White Sox for Cease, according to sources brief on the discussion. So that's fair. The White Sox were including them, uh, or not reportedly including uh, Michael Bush in, in trade offers. Um, but you you think now with the move for uh, Bush in El Monte, right, uh, yeah. going to uh, the Cubs, you'd think that the Dodgers have less arms or less things to deal from. 
But I think also that deal was more of a Dodgers getting rid of 40-man space or, or opening up 40-man space for Dylan Cease to come to to go to the Dodgers. Of course, they wanted him, but maybe the White Sox did not necessarily want Michael Bush as the return as a 26-year-old third baseman slash first baseman where they have both of those covered so far but they wanted a little bit more of what the Dodgers were offering and they didn't see Michael Bush as the f- one of the pieces to um, f- finish that trade-off. It just seems like the Dodgers wanted to trade those two guys off any way you put it, the Pepio and then Michael Bush. They were offering him multiple to multiple teams. So I would have taken Michael Bush. He looks like a, uh, a premium bat that's going to develop. I mean, some people are comparing him to Max Muncy, just blocked by the Dodgers, a vast system. But... I don't think you if you're going with Pepio and Michael Bush and then various under other players, it probably wasn't enough for what the White Sox were looking for. I'm gl- I'm sure they would have taken Michael Bush, but I don't know what the rest of the trade looked like. If the rest of the trade was representative, I'm sure the White Sox would have pulled the trigger immediately. Well, and I think what comes to mind too is at what point in the past two and a half months are we talking about here with with what Ken is reporting in terms of the uh, uh, specifics uh, of a trade package. I mean, the, was it before the Dodgers went out and, and got themselves Yamamoto? Was it before the Dodgers went out and got themselves Tyler Glass now? Or are the Dodgers still interested in paying Dylan Cease, quote-unquote, only uh, $8 million to, to, to be part of a, a super rotation of sorts? Um, you know, I, I don't think any of us have counted out the Dodgers because, hey, not only are they the ones making, really the only ones making any big moves, but that price tag on Dylan Cease is just not that big of a deal for a lot of teams. And um, if they can go ahead and add that to their uh, already uh, ridiculous pile of riches, uh, you'd think they would. And probably one of the few teams that maybe have the prospect capital to get the White Sox interested in, in making that swap. And if they somehow still make a deal with the Dodgers uh, and Jackson Ferris is included, the guy that they just got from the Cubs, I'd be happy. 19 years old, a uh, top five prospect already and, and a left-handed pitcher. Uh, that seems, you know, like a, a guy that I'd like to watch as a lefty. So, you know, I, I'd be fine if, you know, maybe it was just a 40-man move. I maybe mean, just a, a little maneuver. And they're, they're sending Jackson Ferris back to Chicago. Hey, that's wasn't where his namesake wheel debuted. So, (laughs) right. Only makes sense. And now they got Ferris Bueller on the fucking Dodgers. Yes, they do. Probably never will pitch together, though. Um, But wasn't it rumored that also like the Dodgers were looking for another team to deal with the White Sox to do this, you know, three team trade. So maybe this is just now that the Dodgers got what the Cubs are offering. As you said, maybe they're thinking about Ferris as a, a person that might be coming back for the White Sox if they want to do that. I think the Dodgers are set, but as Vinny says, you don't know, ever know if the Dodgers are set. These some bitches keep on doing things, and you're like, oh, again, another person? Why? You have enough. Stop. Yeah. Uh, Ken saying that their interest, uh, you know, uh, waned as they signed uh, Yamamoto to a $325 million deal. I guess their rotation's good enough. They might just have to go with Bobby Miller as their oh. fifth pitcher and not a former top Tragedy. two uh, finisher in the Cy Young and Dylan Cease. Um, but interesting enough, uh, Bob did have two pieces uh, of notes to add to this conversation. Uh, White Sox asking price for Cease remains awfully strong. Uh, they are seeking prized Yankees outfield prospects, Spencer Jones or right-handed pitcher Chase Hampton in their package while asking the Baltimore Orioles for outfielder Colton Kowser or Heston Kierstad among their prospects. Uh, and Bob also noting, uh, which I think is probably most important, uh, that the Mets seemingly are out on Dylan Cease. I don't remember them being in. Uh, when were they in? 
Well, <laughs> I feel like we, we talked about them. I think before they signed Sean Manaya, there was a little murmur that uh, may, maybe the Mets would uh, just trade all of their prospects they were, to get seized. They were going after Yamamoto, I think. So I think maybe that's where that came from. But okay. yes. Um, but that's another team out of the, the running. And I really can only just put the Yankees and Orioles in the running, I guess, because the Dodgers were the other team that I thought might be interested. They obviously have the will, the way, the power. I mean, anything under the sun to get anything done. Um, so I wouldn't really want to put it out of their powers to get Dylan Cease. But I mean, as Ken's reporting, it does seem like their interest is waning. I mean, are there two teams right now in the Dylan Cease sweepstakes for the Orioles and Yankees? I mean, I wouldn't put the Reds totally out of it, even though they balked at the price. Because they still need a top-line starter for themselves, and that's not going to be gotten by going on the free agency market. Yes, I would say that the Yankees and the Orioles are probably, I think the framework for deals are pretty much set. It's just who wants to pull the trigger? Who wants to blink first? And it seems like Chris Getz is not blinking. He's just going to, he has it. He has his guy. And if you want him, this is the number. But I would say the Reds would be a team that would still be the sneaky uh, mystery team, even though they put out there that this is way too much the White Sox are asking for. Seeing what the Cubs have done, we're getting uh, Emma Maga and then maybe re-signing Cody Bellinger might have some impetus and have them actually thinking like, okay, the Cubs are doing some serious things. If we need to stay in the central, we need to make this move. And real quick, just to add to the Reds discussion, because when we put together the list of top five teams, uh, the GM of the Reds, Nick Kral said the team is likely done with major signings, uh, could still do some work in the bullpen or bench. Uh, and that was on January 2nd, 2024. So that really doesn't seem. Huh? Nick Kroll? Nick Kroll? Kral. Oh, okay. Crawl. It's like, wow, they're really going like, bottom of the basement. C- comedian Nick Crawl. R A W L. I mean, it's a young team. C R A L L. No, I know, I know, but like, yeah. it's it's more said like crawl. I see. Yeah. yeah. Um. Anyways, uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't even know about the Reds. It doesn't seem. I mean, no, I don't think. I I think the Reds went and got pitchers. Like they're not Dylan Cease, but they did go get pitchers. I mean, the thing that I keep thinking about when I hear the Reds is like the Reds really like what are the Reds gonna do with like. If they get Dylan Cease, are they going to be the best team in the NL Central? Like, clearly? Like, I don't think so, right? There'd be one of them. They They'd be they... in contention. Sure, I mean, the Brewers like, are clearly taking down. a step back. I mean, they're only a game behind the Cubs, I think. I think the Cubs won 83. I think the Reds won 82. And the Brewers, of course, are coming back. So. I know they got yeah, all those exciting young young guys, but I would imagine that most of those are, are part of the plan for the future mm-hmm. over there. But No Woodruff. Um, it doesn't seem like the the Reds are, like you say, Sean, it doesn't seem like the Reds have much interest left in doing this. But again, that could all be tactics and, and whatnot. Uh, I, I think, you know, Herb, yourself and, and plenty of other folks are trying to maybe find what team is capable of meeting that price, asking price. And I think the Reds probably come to mind with what their farm system looks like at the moment. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they want to part with all of those guys and I mean you can say the same from the Yankees who we saw read, talked about a report last week in which they don't want to trade like any of their top three or four prospects after dealing so much to get Juan Soto um, that's not likely to get you Dylan Cease but heck they've are you know they've gone out and, and, and got some guys too so um, it doesn't seem right now like anybody is jumping to try to meet that price tag uh, and you know we've got a question there you know are, are is, is Cease being overvalued you know, I, I don't think in a vacuum he is, but 
it's never done in a vacuum, right? And and, and the mark the market determines the value yeah. on a guy more so than the actual quality of the player. And you know, it, it makes you wonder: is this just not the right market to get that deal done? Whereas, what? Seven years ago now, it was the right market for the Chris Sale trade. It was the right market for the Adam Eaton trade. It might not be the right market to get some team's top three prospects for Dylan Cease right now. Maybe come July, it will be. But, um, you know, right this second, it hasn't been that kind of market yet. And we'll see if the Orioles, who everybody keeps kind of circling as the last team standing maybe want to part with the guys that Chris Getz wants them to part with because if they don't then Chris Getz is just going further down the shopping list what's the point of doing that necessarily if this is one of your few chances to really kind of boost the long-term health of this organization so um, I think holding on to cease until you get what you deem appropriate for him makes sense but there is that chance that that day is never going to come do you think that these other general managers who are more veterans and uh, into the game established are just trying to take advantage of a young general manager no, no. or just waiting him out. No, I, I've, I've seen, I've seen that question from folks in the chat before I've seen that. I mean, I know you've brought it up before Chris Getz isn't like they grabbed him off the street and they're like, all right, run a baseball team. This guy's been an assistant general manager, the next guy down on the totem pole for quite some time. He's been uh, in the major league baseball front office for 10 years now. I mean, this is, it's not, it's not just some, you know, kid who like people are going to run rings around because he has no idea how the industry works. Of course he knows how the industry works. Does it mean that he's going to get done everything that he wants to get done or that it's going to go exactly the way that he wants it to go? No, but you could point to, Rick Hahn, who had the job for however many years, probably having the same, you know, uh, uh, potential pitfalls or even somebody who's been doing it way longer than than Rick did it. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Dave Dombrowski or some of the other uh, kind of senior senior uh, elder statesmen in the executive category as perhaps having similar pitfalls. So, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I understand that folks would be like, oh, well, Chris gets his, uh, in this chair for the first time. Obviously, it's not going to go well, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I don't think that that has anything to do with it, no. to be quite honest. We don't know. I mean, again, we, we're, we haven't gotten clo- I mean, I guess we've gotten closer to opening day, but so we don't know what the return's even going to look like. Again, Bob's saying that they have a high asking price right now. If they come down, instead of getting three top 100 players, they get two top 100 players and, and, and just two other prospects on top of that. Like, I don't know if that's really him getting hosed or, you know, uh, him getting screwed by a different GM. We don't know what the deal is going to look like. I don't even know if there's going to be a deal. Um, Ellie's bringing up our is gets secretly waiting for the Orioles because they're the best farm system to trade cease. We did bring up this uh, from MLB.com, uh, I think last week at some point, but uh, MLB Pipeline's executive prospect polls, uh, 79% of executives said that the Orioles had the best farm system. Uh, that uh, And then I think what was the other part? Um, well, yeah, that, that 79% at least had the best farm system. Um, so, overwhelming. I mean, overwhelming yes. majority. Uh, nearly 80% of baseball thinks that this is the farm system to be dealing with. Um, so it does seem like the Orioles, I think that this is a team that you could be, you could play chicken with. Because again, they've only added Craig Kimbrell. That's their one. They've won, they won 101 games. They added Craig Kimbrell. Like, I sure. don't, I don't, I don't they think also, that's They like, also won 101 games. Right. They've got that I mean, team to begin with. <laughs> right. But I, I, I don't know. I mean, like, it, it seems like their biggest, 
true addition will be Jackson Holiday making his major league debut. Like, I, I, why I is that bad? <laughs> I don't know if it's bad, but I don't know if this team's truly pushing it. If they have tried to make their team significantly better because they won 101 games, how far did they get in the playoffs? Yeah, right. Games, so exactly. I mean, right. I I, I, I won feel the same like, amount of playoff games as the White Sox did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> uh, I feel like there's got to be some point or uh, some instance where the Orioles like we have to get better. We actually have to become a a World Series caliber team because even though they won 101 games, they were con- con- extremely consistent. I didn't ever really thought of them as like the team. But what, none of us picked them to win the AL East last year. A hundred percent. But where's the pressure for them to get better? There's no pressure for them. That's the first time they've done the AL East in however long. Fans are probably very happy, very pleased. Yes, the three games in the playoffs wasn't ideal. They get John Means back for a whole year. They get Bradish back for a full year and doing all these things. Maybe they're thinking, hey, Jackson Holiday, Gunnar Henderson, Santander, this whole lineup, we'll just run it back. We're better than we were last year. There's no way we could uh, be worse. And who's like our old fans saying, hey, man, we need to win the World Series now type of stuff. No pressure on the general manager. He just got a, a thing that they hadn't had in a long time. So I don't see anything where the O's are like, we have to get better because they're theoretically getting better just by existing and those players getting older into the system. And so I can be that general manager and say, Hey man, we're good at where we're at and we won't pay or overpay what we think is overpay for Dylan Cease. They need to come down to us while Chris is saying the other way around. Like we don't need to trade him. Um, we can just be chilling right here and they're both seeing which one's going to Gonna gonna blink. Which one's gonna say chicken? And to your point, Herb, about the Orioles, look at the way the offseason has gone, right? I mean, yeah, the Yankees got Juan Soto. It's a big deal. The Yankees didn't even make the playoffs last year. What did the Rays do? They traded one of their starting pitchers away. Uh, The Blue Jays, I don't believe, have signed anyone of of great significance. I don't think so. And are lost Matt Chapman. IKF. Exactly. (laughs) The Red Sox just added uh, um, Giolito. Giolito. Giolito And who's the the drunk kid from the Braves? Vaughn Grissom. Vaughn Grissom. Uh, I mean, what did the AL East do? Like, that arms race isn't materializing in the American League, right? Nobody in the Central has done anything of note. No, or unless you want to talk about all the mad guys that the Royals signed. Uh, Nobody in the West has done anything of, of. Terrible significance, right? Except losing Shohei Otani. And Mariners losing Ahuani Suarez. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, look to... <laughs> right on par with what? losing Shohei Otani. How would you like Ahuani Suarez at the third base for the Mariners? Now he's at the Diamondbacks. But you don't, you're not feeling that? That's a big loss. <laughs> not Otani level, necessarily. No, no but, I don't know. Nothing but, is Otani level But I guess loss. my point is, like, w- w- I mean, if, they're, if you're talking about the arms race, right? The Orioles need to get better because they need to beat who? The Dodgers? Once they get to the World Series already, I mean, that's that's the only team that's done anything huge. I mean, there's been teams that have made other moves, but nothing gigantic. Right. I mean, so I, I think the I think the point is relatively, you know, fine in saying that the Orioles aren't being aren't, aren't being hugely pushed right now. And to begin with, they're already the best. They had the number one seed in the American League last year. So um I think the Orioles are really good. I don't think, uh, you know, they, they do they, could they use more pitching? Absolutely. They could. Anybody. And so I think they'd love to have uh, uh, Dylan cease, but again, if, are they going to do, and I've brought this up before, are they going to trade the two guys that they think might be their two corner outfielders for the next eight years? 
I mean, like, why? Right? I mean, they those I guys guess, they like, drafted the, or they drafted those guys. They've brought those guys up. They know how good those guys can be. That's fair, but I mean, yeah. you could also say the same thing with the White Sox. I mean, the team that was perpetually picked to be the World Series champion for all of this decade, and they won the AL Central in 2021. Yay! What so are you going to two years? So you're going to trade your guys away because the White Sox were because so the Orioles really because should the trade White their Sox guys are away bad, because the but White I mean, Sox again, you could have all the hopes and dreams for a 19 year old and a 20 year old. I mean, I'm, it's not guaranteed that Colton Cowser is going to come up and hit 30 homers. Sure, I understood that, but think about that. They those people they're not even counting on those people. We're not counting on Colton Cowser to do anything this year necessarily or uh, Kurt Heston Kerstead. So they could just have that regular team that they had out there and then have all the re- reinforcements right, behind like, them and then do some things with another team that's ready to deal for plugging in a spot that they actually need. Because they could be thinking that Kyle Bradish, John Means, um, your guy, Grayson Rodriguez, uh, Dean Kramer, that's enough. That's that's We're good. We're going to see uh, leaps and bounds from all those guys, and we don't need Dylan Cease on the team. We want him? Yeah, great. What happens if John Means gets hurt, though? I mean, John like Means has been very inconsistently healthy. I then mean, guess hey. what? They need Then they need Dylan Cease more right. than they I did. Know, know, but I'm just saying, like, right, right now, Herb's bringing up the point, like, mm-hmm. well, Colton Kowser or Heston, Heston Kierstead might not help you in 2024. That's what year it is. Um, in 2024. Um, but you're only going to have Cease for two years. You're only going to have Cease for 2024 and 2025. So what's more important, having Cease on your team in 2024 and 2025 or maybe having Colton Kowser contribute that's, to your that's, team? That's what they're trying to figure no, out. I, I but know. also <laughs> they could be like, okay, we'll pivot from Cease and go, we can have these Heston Curse that uh, Colton Kowser talks with another team. Maybe you talk to the Milwaukee Brewers. Yes, it's only one year to get Burns on your squad. Yeah, but you're going to give up Kowser and Kerstad for only one year? But it maybe, doesn't make any sense. Maybe they feel that Burns is more of a – solid commodity than Dylan ceases and they say that's a top of the rotation arm that we'll need for us and if it, only if it's one year we can we'll be more apt to take him than we'll be apt to take cease different people like different players and in that farm system in that scouting community they might like burns better than cease even though cease has more years uh Sarah, real quick, can you scroll up in, into the chat? We're going to take a quick break. Is there uh, a football game on right now? There is there a football is. game. Why? Uh, so because they got postponed yesterday. Oh, did the they? Snow. Why didn't they postpone that stupid Chiefs game where everybody was freezing to death? Because it was, it was snowing. On, it was on Peacock. That's why they didn't yeah, postpone it? Yes, because they <laughs> had snowing. to make a bunch of money on Peacock, and everybody had to subscribe to it. There was a state of emergency in Buffalo. There wasn't a state of emergency mm. in Kansas City. I mean, uh, even though it was like so, negative 40 degrees, like, eh, we're good. We'll I play. Did, I just wanted to bring up a, a grumpy pig and friends' comment. Uh, asking too much for a guy who struggles to get out of the fifth inning uh, and had one good year. Uh, league caught up to his changeup and struggles against teams outside the central. He's a three. God bless you, grumpy pig. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Uh, Jill, Dylan Cease, uh, through his... Change up 2.3% of this time in 2022 for a negative four run value. And then in 2023, uh, threw it 3% of the time and it uh, gained five run value. So I, d- I don't understand that. Uh, also, uh, he pitched out of the fifth inning uh, five and one thirds and passed uh, in 21 of his outings last year did uh, you, out of 32. When so. you when you were what? when you were growing up, Sean, did you ever think that you would say 
the phrase "God bless you, grumpy pig." Oh, probably, yeah. <laughs> uh, you did? <laughs> probably. I don't wow. know. Uh, let's take a break. Uh, <laughs> let's let people know about our friends over uh, at Circus Sports uh, and uh, Circus Sportsbook. Uh, if you are looking to bet on the games that are going on, uh, whether it was already pre-scheduled, like the Tampa Eagle game, or uh, postponed, uh, you can go live bet on the uh, Bills and uh, Steelers Steelers game. Thank you, Herb. Uh, with our friends over at uh, Circus Sportsbook, uh, download the Circus Sportsbook app today. They have tight money line splits, a low hold model where games will strive to be a minus 110 split on the Circus Sports menu, unlike other sports books, which may use a minus 115 or minus 120 split. Circus Sports keeps as little, as little money as possible on large market bets like futures, golf tournaments, especially compared to other books, which allows them to keep that low hold model. Uh, and uh, Circus Sports does not limit players based on their winnings. Every player has the same limits, unlike other books who do win, uh, limit women, winning players. Uh, and Circus customer service is beyond... Uh, Beat? I don't know how to talk today. There are real people behind Circus Sports brand who resolve issues in a timely fashion, unlike other books, who use chatbots. All aspects of the app are being run by the same team that runs the main Circus Sports book at Circus Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. So download the Circus Sport Illinois app at circusportscom slash Illinois-app at circusportscom slash Illinois-app to sign up today. Also be on the lookout for Circa events, watch parties, and tailgates. If you or some of you know may have a problem with gambling, call 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537, text GMB833234, visit areyoureallywinning.com. As long as you're not driving, I want you to do something for me. Head on over to midtown.com slash CHGO and follow along with me while I read this read so you can see all the amenities that Midtown Chicago and all the other three uh, Midtown locations have. Their four locations are Palatine in the northwest suburbs, Bannockburn in the north shore, Willowbrook in the southwest suburbs, Midtown Athletic Club and Hotel in the middle of Bucktown and Lincoln Park. And that Palatine club I was talking about has launched a multi-million dollar transformation of the club, which will be complete in early 2024. For that Palatine, Willowbrook, and Bannockburn locations, Midtown is offering no initiation fees this January. So you must hurry up. It's the 15th. The month is halfway over. Go there right now. Get yourself no initiation fees for the Bannockburn, Palatine, and Willowbrook locations. Because there's something for everyone there at Midtown. If you're a single person, married with kids, person looking for lifestyle changes, or just looking for holistic wellness. Because Midtown Chicago is the nicest fitness club that I've ever been to. And many have seen that because of the super luxe locker rooms, wet and dry saunas, and premium amenities. Amazing indoor and outdoor Pools and hot tubs and a collection of boutique fitness studios with more than 100 classes. You can go to the arena, Samadhi, Everybody Fights, Ride or the Field or the Theater and get one of those 100 classes per week that they do have. But Midtown is known for the best tennis courts and programming in the sport. Midtown has indoor and outdoor tennis, paddleball and pickleball tennis courts, USTA professional quality all the way. You're already at the midtown.com slash CHGO. So why don't you just go there and find out which Midtown is close to you and take a tour of that one right now. Again, head over to what midtown.com slash CHGO. Correct. There you go. Uh, to check out all of their options. Uh, Jared saying Bannockburn will ever be my favorite Midtown location as someone who isn't local. It's my favorite to say. Bannockburn. Bannockburn. Yeah, well, certainly once you learn how to say it. Bannockburn. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, so real quick, I want to answer Henry's, Henry's question. I think I said Henry like a, like a speech impediment. Uh, Henry, uh, if Cease does well this season, they won't trade him. Uh, they'll extend him because they want to compete now. Uh, Henry, I'd hope and wish for that. 
I would, I would love to see a Dylan Cease extension. I would love to stop talking about Dylan Cease being traded and talk about an extension. That'd be, that'd be way fun uh, to just completely flip the narrative. But it just doesn't seem like that's going to happen ever. I, to be blunt, I mean, that's not something that I would, I would put like a point zero. Zero one percent chance on happening. Yeah, it's not just the White Sox thing, and I know people will blame the White Sox and their Scott Boris uh, history, even though they just signed a spot Scott Boris client and Eric Fetty. But Scott Boris clients, for the most part, besides Steven Strasburg in my recent memory, all go to free agency. So yes, Henry, I would love that. I know the White Sox would love that. Maybe Dylan Cease in the back of his mind would love that. But also, the White Sox can sign him after he becomes a free agent. Just he has to be competing with the 29 other teams in Major League Baseball. That's Scott Boris's MO. That's why we're still here in January 15th. And a bunch of Scott Boris clients haven't been signed yet because he gets every single cent for his clients. And so, yeah, that would be great, Henry. And I would love to. And as Sean said, I would love to stop talking about Dylan Cease. Have a resolution either way. He's not getting traded. He's traded. But we know he's not going to get an extension. That's 100% not going to happen. Well, it's just not really in line with where they are right now as a team. I mean, listen, if we were talking about this a year ago, it would make total sense because we were going into last season thinking that this team was going to be competitive, that this team was going to be at or near the top of the division and and, and maybe still able to go up. Last season kind of changed everything. It, it, it cratered everything for this team. And and right now you're seeing it with the moves that they're making, with the with the plans that they're making for the future. To the, the best thing for this organization in terms of long-term health is either one of two things. Trade Dylan Cease and get some prospects, get some cornerstones to put on this team for the next decade, or invest the money in signing him to a really long-term deal. Because you're seeing what free agent pitchers are getting on the market right now. And what did Jerry Reinsdorf say hmm. back in August when we sat there and talked to him? We're not signing any pitchers to any 10-year deals, is what he said. He's, you know, being a little facetious there, in, in or uh, hyperbolic perhaps, in talking about the length of the contract. But then a pitcher went out and got a 12-year deal this offseason. So if Dylan Cease is going to ride that wave of long-term really expensive deals for pitchers that's coming up for him in just in just two years so I I I think that the White Sox would uh be healthy long-term to keep Dylan Cease because Dylan Cease is really good and not very old but if they can get some some pieces for him now that they can go ahead and put down as anchors on this on the diamond somewhere if they're position players or pitchers if they're in the rotation uh that makes it easier for them to continue to build out an entire roster versus spending a lot of money, perhaps the bulk of the money that they have appropriated for for, for spending on free agents or, or players in general uh, on one guy for, for the foreseeable future. It does also seem like this will play out just with it seemingly being down to the Orioles and Yankees. It does seem like Dylan Cease will open up spring training with the White Sox. I don't think that the Orioles will pull the the trigger at, at any point this uh, you know coming up. I don't think the Yankees will either. Uh, mainly because I find it weird that they want Chase Warren, according to Bob, uh, Chase Warren or Spencer Jones. Like I think you'd want Dominguez. Oh, I'd want Dominguez well, over what Jones. What did you read in the? What did we read last week? That the Yankees have no intention of trading that guy. Right. No, I know, <laughs> but I'm just. I guess I'm in. Like, what was the the? But like, if they if they're not interested in trading Jones, then they're not. Or they're not interested in trading Dominguez. Then are they not? They're they're interested in trading Jones. Said they didn't want to trade him either. 
Yeah, they, do they want to trade? <laughs> like, it just seems like we have to start the season, get teams to a point where, hey, we know where we're at for 2024. Now we can go make this move to put us over the top. It, it does feel like it's going to be something that happens in July or end August. Well, and one point you made there probably really jumps out more than anything. What with think how slow this offseason has moved, right? Mm-hmm. There's still teams out there who normally would have made moves that they haven't made yet a month ago, right? And had some certainty on where they were going, more certainty on where they were going a month ago. We're at a point where there's still a lot of big name free agents out there, where teams haven't finished their work, where teams are kind of sitting and waiting to see what's going to happen. People don't really know what they're going to be maybe this year. And we've seen certain teams position themselves, obviously the Dodgers, the Diamondbacks come to mind, teams that have really gone out and been aggressive and, hey, we want to make sure that we're going to be in a position to contend next year. Whereas we just spent the first part of the show talking about an Orioles team thinking maybe they're okay, but maybe they're waiting to see, you know what I mean? And and maybe, maybe they get to March and they're like, okay, maybe now we know that we need a little bit more here, a little bit more there. Or maybe they're like, well, we'll just see in July because it's not like anybody else has made any moves around to, for us to say, Ooh, we know that team's going to be a problem. We know that team's going to be a problem. It, it, the slow moving off season may be contributing to the fact that the teams might not want to part with their prospects for Dylan C's rather than um, keep them in the market for him, so to speak. And also uh, to speak to your point with Vinny, like there's still an ACE out there who's asking for more money. Blake Snell is out there and he hasn't got a deal close to where he's wanted the deal to be. And he's trying to, it's not, he's begging the Yankees, but he's like, Hey, I want to pitch for you. And the Yankees are like, yeah, here's a, here's a, here's a dollar figure. And then he's like, Whoa, that's way too short. So that probably also could be holding up talks for Dylan Cease because the Yankees are not sure if they're going to be signing another starter for the rotation, which they just got Marcus Stroman. And if they can get in, uh, Snell for the price that they want. They don't need Cease anymore. That would automatically drive the price down for Cease with the White Sox and uh, dealing with the Orioles. Then you would only have one suitor available. So, yeah, I think that uh, this market not being settled at the time that is January 15th, where it usually is kind of settled. You already pretty much know all the big players have fallen down. We don't know where Cody Bellinger's going. We don't know where uh, Snell's going. There's so many other people out there that teams haven't have budgeted for and haven't signed for yet. So it's hard for Dylan Cease to find a home because there's other big players and probably say better pitchers available than him right now. 18 players in 2023 are unsigned that had a season war of one and a half or higher. So... I mean, you, you can get somebody who's just at least an average ball, ball player uh, out there. I mean, there's 18 of them out there. And that doesn't even include uh, Woodruff, who you, you brought up, or and uh, Urias, who's now been cleared of his domestic uh, situation back in September, uh, or the DA said he wouldn't face charges. Yeah. I know. No, I know. But <laughs> I it's just you. another interesting, uh, I don't know, situation, I guess, because, I mean, he's he's young. So it's just like, I, I don't talented. know. I, right. You know, we obviously saw it with someone less talented last year, uh, pitch for the White Sox and, and get a shot. Um, all right. Uh, let's take another break. Uh, and then uh, let's jump into some international signings. Uh, we got AJ's question from the Discord, and we will talk about some minor league signings uh, as well. Uh, all right. Let's get into uh, letting you know, though, about our friends over at Empire. Uh, you guys ready to sing? Five eight eight two three hundred Empire. Like what Alejandro says, he said you guys need a bigger table or just use one like like a Motown group background singers. Just one, just 
this one mic you try that comes in there. Uh, with Empire today, you get shop at home convenience, the right product for your needs, quick and professional installation, and a low price guarantee. <laughs> Empire today is the best place to get new flooring. So, of course, they have copycats, but Empire can't be beaten on quality, service, and speed. So, competitors advertise low quality products that Empire simply won't carry. Empire won't promise the lowest prices because anyone who does is putting flooring in your home that they wouldn't put in theirs. Empire keeps shopping for floors simple with a curated product selection. Their philosophy is to help you find what you need and not overwhelm you with thousands of choices and substitutes. What they leave out of their selection is just as important as what they put in. Empire's product team exhaustively combs through thousands of product samples each year to find the perfect styles. And you can check out those styles with their virtual floor designer. It's a great way to see how new floors will look in any space. Just snap a picture of your room and instantly see how those new floors from Empire will change them. So schedule a free in-home estimate today. All listeners can receive a $350 off discount when they use promo code CHGO. Restrictions apply. See empiretoday.com slash CHGO for details. Again, all listeners can receive a $350 off discount when they use promo code CHGO. Restrictions apply. See empiretoday.com slash CHGO for details. FOCO! Guys, you've seen the uh, bobbleheads out on our uh, studio a set uh you've got southpaw with the classic orange white socks flag you've got tim anderson being ghosted by a red line train uh those were donated to us by foco and so you should go show them some love by getting fitted out in the best sports gear around they've got hoodies they've got shoes they've got signs they've got bobbleheads of course and everything in between it's always baseball season even when it feels like negative 30 outside aloha shirts straw hats polos and that wonderful bag set for Hopefully not this cold, March 28th at the rate. Uh, everything you could possibly need for a game. You've seen the bobbleheads that they've donated. So go check out foco.com or click the link in the description below for all non-presale items, guys. You can use the code CHGO10 and get 10% off. Thank you, Vinny. You're welcome, Sean. Um, let's jump in to some international signings. Uh, Future Sox and uh, James Fox uh, have done a great job covering it, and you can find uh, follow James at JamesFox917. Uh, the White Sox had a international signing budget around $5.5 million. I think they ended up spending 5.925. I don't understand how you can go 400 over the reported pool, but they did. Uh, so good job, White Sox. Uh, the main... Three, I guess four uh, prospects out of the seven uh, that they signed that are interesting are Eduardo Herrera, third baseman from Venezuela. He's 11th on MLB uh, Pipeline's uh, top international prospects. Uh, then there's the 11th ranked player in this year's class. Yes. yes. Uh, and then Jedrick Profar, uh, shortstop from Curacao. Uh, he was ranked, I think, 66th uh, by uh, Baseball America for this current uh, 2024 international uh prospects. Uh, and then Jesus Primoli uh, was the 72nd uh, prospect that they signed. He is a third baseman, also formerly a catcher, I guess, from Venezuela. And then there's Orlando Suarez, a right-handed Venezuelan pitcher who I, uh, I, I Googled his name and I found a TikTok where this guy was just like, there's the green screen TikTok effect. I don't know if you know about this. I do. Okay, you do. You don't. Um, where you basically just put a video behind you and this man was speaking Spanish. And I, my Spanish is mal, no bien. Uh, yes. But what I did know what, what this man was saying was fuego. Uh, very tall uh, person, Orlando Suarez, is uh, pumping like 95 to 97. So, hey, it's always interesting to see these guys sign because they're so young. They're so raw. They're so seemingly talented. And it's like, oh, okay, well, this kid who's 6'4 is easily going to come <laughs> overseas and dominate. But that's, I mean, it's a lot. I mean, a lot of these kids are 16, 17 years old. And now you're asking them to 
become professional baseball players. It's a it's a very. I mean, I would go as far to say the word confusing part of the game because, uh, you know, obviously these guys can be scouted and they can be, uh, it's not just the draft. You don't have to rely on the, where you're picking, right? You can sign these guys uh, as long as you've got the money to do so. Uh, but again, you're right. These guys are teenagers. And I mean, listen, Rick Hahn was buried for so long for trading Fernando Tatis Jr. away for James Shields. Fernando Tatis Jr. was, what, 16, 17 years old when they yeah. made that trade? Mm-hmm. I mean, these guys that they're signing, some of them are younger than that. Uh, I mean, it, it is a... Um, if you think the draft is a crapshoot where you're where you're picking guys who have uh, uh, spent years playing uh, high school ball in in America or or college ball in America, and you have still have no idea what they're going to turn into, now you're talking about drafting guys that are five uh, five years younger than them in in, in this kind of case. So. Um, yeah, it's worth paying attention to. Guys like James do a, a really good job following this stuff and, and trying to provide as much information as possible. But at the end of the day, you're right. You're asking a, you're asking us to project what a 15-year-old is going to become in the major leagues. Not only that, we use some of these rankings to try to figure out how good, you know, how good a player the White Sox got. Uh, I remember a few years back, they were getting routinely the numbers one and two and three uh, players in uh, an annual signing class and where have those guys kind of ended up? You know, I mean, I, I, I go to a guy like Yoel Cespedes, who I believe was the number one player in that class, and he's kind of, I don't know, has he stalled out in the minor leagues? Is, are we, are we going to see him on the south side at all? I, you haven't heard his name in some time, uh, and there's plenty of other guys that fall into that category as well. Certainly, folks did get to see Oscar Colas at the major league level last year. He was a little bit of a different case, obviously, but still, you could see how that didn't produce results uh, immediately the way you wanted them to. So um, it, it is a, uh, uh, a a tough thing to try to put the future of your franchise and invest in the future of your franchise on a bunch of guys who can't legally drive a car yet. Yeah, you know, <laughs> thinking about uh, Michael Rodolfo they signed when he was 16, stick figure, and now you look at Michael Rodolfo, he's not with the White Sox anymore. He's playing in the Caribbean uh, World Series built as hell so like that is a one thing that but not for a major league team not for a major league team but that's the things you have to go through like you have to see like he was the number two overall international prospect signing at the time he was signed by the white Sox. it just didn't work out for Michael Rodolfo because of he was kind of good when he was a youngster and they thought development would happen and he'll be a major league player it's a crapshoot i mean um this this whole thing is very very complicated i want to know like the international signings usually only happen in like latin america like there's more countries than just the Latin American countries, but also Curacao and fucking Dominican Republic. Those countries are this big, and they keep on producing Major League Baseball talent, which is amazing. And the player that uh, the White Sox signed with Profar, that's, of course, Sherrickson Profar's younger brother, which that's, that small-ass country of Curacao, Andrew Jones, him, Henley Mullins, uh, Jonathan Scope, all come from that country. Pretty much the same city. And all of them played for the damn Little League team. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's weird as hell. Like, how, like, Dominican's this big. Everybody here in Major Leagues is fucking from Dominican Republic. Congratulations. We need a better uh, development system here in America because they are embarrassing us. I mean, it's just a big-ass country. It's 50 states. We should do what they should do. What they do. Um, so, just to give some color, Profar, obviously, as you brought up, uh, Jerickson's uh, little brother, uh, some reports saying he's got 2020 potential. He's also 16, so we'll see. Um, he's got to get to 20 before he has 2020 potential. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Eduardo Herrera is the 
key piece of this prospect signing, uh, and Michael Suero of uh, Sox on 35th uh, wrote up about uh, Edgar, uh, and a good comp if you want to hear about it. Um, so uh, the shortstop turned third baseman has drawn comparisons to a teenage... Yo, I'm on Kata. No, not Yo, I'm on Kata. He's not a switch hitter, so this, is, this guy's just a righty. I think I already know the answer. 6'2", 200-pound, hulking read, frame. I've read this. You just want me to say it? You just say it. Albert Pujols. Albert Pujols. So, uh, He's going to play shortstop? Well, no, he was a former shortstop, former catcher, too, because of his arm. Uh, but now, since he is so big, he's just outgrown the shortstop position. Like Albert Pujols, Albert Pujols was always the most athletic person on the field. He was just, you know, 245 pounds and made a muscle. Uh, and like Pujols, uh, Herrera moving to third base. Pujols was, what, a corner outfielder and a third baseman when he first came up to the major leagues and then moved, made the move uh, over to first base uh, as he became more hulkingly uh, and, and terrorizing on his way to seven ho- uh, career home runs. Uh, but Herrera is the White Sox highest ranked international prospect since Oscar Colas, who was ranked fifth in MLB Pipeline's 2022 international class. However, Herrera is the highest ranked true amateur signing in some time as they typically have targeted older prospects who have seen closer to MLB ready. In fact, the Sox have only signed four prospects since 2013 who are 18 year, years old or younger and ranked on MLB Pipeline's top international prospect list. Eric Hernandez in 2022, who is 28th on the list. Uh, Amando Nunez in 2014, who was 26th on the list. And Mike Rodolfo in 2013, who was second on the list. There was also one more name. Fernando Tatis. So... You know, Mike Rodolfo, yes, hasn't had major league success. Amado Nunez didn't have major league success. Eric Hernandez didn't have major league success. As yet. Fernando well, yeah, Tatis also, signed a $300 million contract. Eric so, Hernandez is still less than so young. 20 years yes. old. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Eric Hernandez is 18. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, yes. Uh, but it, he, he's, he's struggled. Uh, he's actually, the, hey, it's his 19th birthday today. Hey, congratulations hey. being old. Eric Hernandez, hey, thank you. Uh, 25 games in uh, 2023 uh, down at the hey, ACL. Uh, 145 average, 295 on base, 210 slugging, 505 on base. Hopefully he's a defender. Still like, what, two years younger than the average age of that league? Yes. So, yeah, he's still got time to come up. But to give the White Sox some credit, I think Fernando Tatis wouldn't have been the player that he was here with the White Sox because of various things, one including... The ringworm treatment he's gone through. Ringworm. Okay. Um, all right. I mean, he, did, I, did was, he he on, was he on ringworm last year? He seemed pretty fine. Hey, man. He's already, you get to a level and then you stay at that level. I don't, I don't you go know. Go from a I mean, I, kid I, to a bigger Is he like the best defensive outfielder in baseball he by is. like a mile and a half? He is. He Statistically. A, he was a butcher at shortstop. Like, let's send him to right field because we got a better shortstop here in both Kim and in, uh, now that they got, uh, I forgot the guy's name. Um, but yeah, Fernando Tatis, his arm has always been that guy and his uh, tracking skills in right field. Yeah, he was like a 20 plus 29 in the fielding Bibles outs above average. Jesus Christ. He was just a phenomenal right fielder. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Who the White Sox signed to play right field this year? Who have they signed to play yeah. right field? They have not signed anyone oh, to play minor right leaguer field. Brett Phillips. Uh, and then the Rafael Ortega. Rafael Ortega, yes. Yeah, fun, former right. fun, fun, fun. Oh, that's a nice transition, Sean. Oh. Into our next conversation topic. Is it? I don't get Minor it. league signings? Oh, like okay. Rafael uh, Ortega? Minor, minor yeah. league signings. <laughs> uh, I guess we didn't bring up the Rafael Ortega signing. Uh, they signed Rafael Ortega to a, a minor league deal with a, uh, I guess, a, a big league spring training uh, invite. That's been assumed. That has yeah. None of that has been announced yet, but yeah. Um, is this the right fielder that Chris Getz was referring to? can't imagine it would be you can't or like you'd be so shocked i would be so shocked if their plan going into spring training was a minor league signing that'll be terrible and white Sox what if Tom, it's a couple minor league signings no, like that brett phillips no, and Raphael that doesn't Ortega. mean anything white I, Tom, now, it's not the same thing now listen they could end up that way by the end of spring right oh my god Rafael ortega hit 10 home runs in Cactus League play. He's running away with the right field job. Fine, that is something that could exist in some universe. But to go into spring with the plan being that one of these guys you signed on a minor league flyer is going to be your everyday right fielder, that doesn't seem accurate to me. It's real tough. I mean, Stop it. You're trying to make a uh, case for Ravio or No, I'm not. Aren't you? I'm just trying to look at his numbers. I mean, this, terrible. Is a, this is a guy that we used to uh, uh, produce on the score. Yes, uh, so, did. you know, he's a, he's a guy that... Was over at the uh, on the north side, and you know, I mean, I I got to see a couple Rafael Ortega homers. Very few. What do you uh, uh, you got to see two of his like five? No, congratulations. He, no, he he hit way more than uh he hit a bunch, didn't he? Yeah, no, he's not that bad. Uh, I seem to remember during the what was it twenty one when he was on the Cubs? Yeah, twenty twenty one. I seem 11. to remember going a couple times. Man, who is Rafael Ortega that's hitting all these home runs? Eleven home Cubs? runs, eight twenty three OPS. Let's go. Uh, yeah, uh, eleven home runs and then seven home runs the next year. So you know, hey, you got something. It's a flyer. It's fine. It's ultimately probably won't work out. But yeah, if it if that guy does like Vinny says, hits ten home runs in spring training, I won't be excited about it as long as he continues that in the regular season then we see oscar colas hit the cover off the ball a couple years ago oh remember who hit a bunch of home runs in uh uh, spring training what two or three years ago matt davidson well i was gonna say the guy we just were talking about mike rodolfo oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah didn't he have like eight or like like 12 or something in spring training and they were like yeah no go back to the minors yeah (laughs) we're good (laughs) oh i i i would have been fine to see that happen i mean did he hit that many home runs you got to look up the. You have to go to MLB.com to look up them spring stats. Spring training does not have any minor league stats. Well, he, I mean, he, he does. not in twenty twenty three. He didn't. He was an independent player. He played, oh, here we go. I think he played against the uh, the Savannah Bananas. Mm. So uh, he had two home runs. Okay, not go a, to the did year you say eleven. Go to no, the year the, before. You're talking about yeah, no, in spring two, training. Two spring, spring training. Tra- two spring. Two career spring training home runs. That's can he hit, hit them all in twenty twenty two? Well, I think you're just thinking that he had a twelve eighty three OPS plus. He had 10 hits in 23 at-bats, and he had two doubles, two homers, walked three times. So he had a very good spring. Yeah. But he did not he hit very many home runs. 435. That was the average. Yoel Cespedes spring as well, right? The year every, that he was he <laughs> was Christ. tearing it up. Uh, hey, maybe he'll be the right fielder. Uh, all right. Uh, I think that's going to do it. Well, we got a, little, we have a question uh, to answer? Jake, yeah, we got Jake. I'm sorry. We got Jake Woodford and Joe Barlow. Uh, Michael, uh, I'm sorry. I'm not bad with the Polish names. Kolach? 
Let's go with Kolach. Kolach. Sure. Uh, keeping with our Royals tie, uh, Joe Barlow was signed today on a minor league deal. The new Chicago Royals. Vinny, you're trying to escape the narrative, but Joe Barlow uh, coming in with his 12 games down in Omaha in 2023. You're grasping, uh, yeah, White he, Sox Nation. He's, you're grasping. Mainly been a Texas <laughs> Ranger. He's a righty uh, with a fastball slider combo. Uh, not a starter in any way. Uh, hasn't topped out over 59 innings in a minor league season. Uh, we talked about Jake Woodford, I think, for a little bit, but uh, nothing major uh, in Jake Woodford. They might be able to get some innings out of him. Uh, he's been able to eclipse 100 before, but that was pre-2019. So I think they're just trying to fill out the bottom of the roster because it was so barren last year and the years before. And I was listening to Brian Bannister on the Baseball Isn't Boring uh, podcast. It seems like he's already in for a rebuild. He didn't say the words, but these signings seem like it's like, all right, we need just major leaguers who can pitch down in the minor leagues. 4A players, whatever you want to call them, because the White Sox haven't had those guys in a while. And since, uh, so these are the signings you get. So it doesn't sound sexy, but they're trying to build a base, a foundation. And so then after that, they can build up from that because they don't have players that can pitch in Charlotte, as you saw last year and the year before. Hey, we got, we, we've talked about it plenty of times. You know, it's one thing to see some of these starters who struggled last year as they've started to now um, fill out the rotation or at least provide volume for the rotation a little bit and be like and be skeptical that you're ever going to see them at the major league level. But a reliever who two years ago was a closer in, in, in Major League Baseball, I mean, they don't their bullpen is still pretty empty. Uh, you know what I mean? They've gone out and they've got Tim Hill. But other than that. They haven't really made any additions to the bullpen. So when when you see uh, a deal, I, I, I let's put it this way. I'd be I'm far more interested in the Joe Barlow minor league deal than I am in the other the minor league deals that have gone to some of the starting pitchers. Because you think Barlow will contribute to the major league team or I could he, I think he very well could yeah okay. yeah I just mean, because I, just because there's nobody else to stop him from doing it at the at the at the moment the way the roster is currently constructed right right yeah. I mean we haven't really heard much on what their philosophy is going to be in 2024 if they will be more like San Francisco was using a ton of openers like well, do do we think that this is going to be a traditional five-man rotation will they extend it to six uh i mean i know you were interested in what uh, banister had to say about kopech um i mean maybe they find out that he needs six days of rest instead of five days of rest like a normal starter uh, or you know four instead of five uh you know maybe, maybe they figure that out during spring training like i i i don't know what this is going to look like so i mean hey just sign as many minor league invites as you can Throw, them at the, throw it all at the wall, see what sticks. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what sticks. Uh, Brian Bannister is big on just trying to figure out like what makes a pitcher effective. Uh, and Jake Woodford and Joe Barlow really have never been effective in their career. Uh, Joe Barlow over the past two years has lost like two miles per hour on his fastball. So maybe part of the the resurgence for a guy like Joe Barlow, if there is one, uh, is you know regaining velocity. Jake Woodford uh, was very heavily reliant on a four-seam fastball up until 2022, and then he started heavily mixing it into a sinker, uh, used it about 38% of the time in 2022, and then up to 50% in 2023. I don't know if maybe there's something with the fastball that they can just maybe change the vertical uh, attack angle, just basically the, the length of window to actually swing at a ball. Um, right, like a high high ride fastball. It's got a very low uh, VAA. Um, Ava, Ava. Yeah. If, if a guy doesn't have like Michael Kopech has high spin, so he can throw high fastballs at the top of the zone because they're hard to actually like square up and hit. Uh, now Jake Woodford has low spin. Uh, Michael Kopech is a very active spinning fastball, at like ninety nine percentile. Uh, J- 
Jake Woodford's like 81 percentile. So maybe you're, you're trying to go into the low spin on Jake Woodford. I don't know. I'm trying to understand all this shit. Like Brian Bannister. And there's a reason he has a job with a major league team. And I'm here with you, gentlemen. Uh, I mean, he's had a whole lifetime of listening to his dad, doing his own thing, being at USC, being in Boston, Kansas City. Like, so, yeah, he, of course, he knows a lot because he was born into it. So, yeah, and he's, he gobbles that shit up, too. Loves analytics. Hey, I mean, he's been he's been doing all this stuff since 2006. I mean, since Pitch FX came out, Brian Bannister's been uh, grinding. So, uh, I, I don't know. I, it's I, That's probably the most interesting thing that's happened with the White Sox and uh, we got about a month away until we get to see it all take place. Like, we're, we're just in no man's land. It's freezing cold. It's happy MLK Day. Uh, and we have no baseball to talk about until... 40, about 30 a more days? A month, are you right? Yeah, when, uh, about a month. When the folks go down there, pitchers and catchers report, down to Glendale, Arizona. Excitement. Fun. I'll uh, warm us up here by proxy, like, you know, knowing that somebody else is hot, like Vinny's <laughs> going to be hot, and we're going to be cold. Speaking of warming us up, uh, let's go to the final question. Uh, AJ, uh, with a Mailbag Monday question. Favorite White Sox piece of apparel you own for each of you? Uh, appreciate AJ with the question, uh, and you could join our Discord over at uh If you become a diehard, you get a free shirt when you sign up. You get access to our Discord. You get uh, exclusive uh, diehard articles as well that are posted up on our website. Uh, but do you have a favorite piece of apparel, uh, that you own? Uh, I, I said, warm me up cause mine's my jacket. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad gave me two white Sox jackets. One's a, a leather one that's like cut in half, like one side's black, one side's white. Um, it's got like a nice white Sox logo on the back. And then the other one's kind of got like, got like a nice felt, cu- uh, material ah, it's made out of. It's all very nineties, uh, very eighties, yeah, nineties, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, starter jacket era. So, uh, shout out to my dad. Um, I would say I have a uh, White Sox white home vest from the you know, championship years of 2005 that I got from Triple Dead Sports, our guy uh, Chris Hubble. It's way too big for me now. It was way too big for me back then. I think it's like a 5X. I'm, at best, was a 3X. So it drapes me. I barely wear it anymore because it has a mustard stain on it. But I uh, love those jerseys. I don't know whether they, they can't come clean. Like, I, I've been trying everything. Yes, your Tide Pod. Yes, everything you've done. Jerseys don't come clean. I need to go into the White Sox clubby and ask him how, what he does. But, yeah, that White Sox vest, they should bring those back. Hey, well, the giveaway. The vest. It's a giveaway this year, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, hof- I, hopefully they get to actually bring it out on the field. I'd love to, you know, take Chris Sale's scissors and cut up those sleeves and let's get the, let's get the vest on the field. Well, next year, probably. 20-year <clears throat> anniversary. Are we, are we really it's the celebrating same the jersey? Tw- yeah, it just, just doesn't have just, sleeves. It's pretty sick. Uh, <laughs> do you have any apparel? I mean, I know you're not like a White Sox fan. No, I mean, you're I, a big I, J I get a lot of the, the giveaway stuff, and a lot of that I then continue give to, to give away to uh, to various White Sox fans that I know. Um, my wife uh, always claims the sweatshirts. She likes the sweatshirts that they give out. Um, I'll say this the best piece of White Sox apparel that the White Sox have worn, in my opinion, uh, I love those uh, red pinstripe jerseys from the 70s and the accompanied red hat i think that's fantastic the dick allens the dick allens exactly i was thinking the the melton bills yeah bill melton as you you uh, inducted him into the ring honor on friday uh go check out that episode too if you're looking for uh, more white Sox content maybe more evergreen content uh we didn't boo jerry Krause's wife on friday's episode uh so go check that out we talked mainly about the uh, white Sox ring of honor and what we would like it to look like uh that is vinnie duber you can follow him at vinnie duber uh, that is Herb Lawrence. You can follow him at Wall 23 is our CHGO White Sox community leader. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. And thank you to Sarah for producing us. 
I was just about to say my favorite White Sox thing I own, because I only own one thing. It is a magnet from the stadium. First time I ever went to Guaranteed Rate, I bought a magnet. Hell yeah. Does it say my first time at Guaranteed Rate Field or just like... No, it's just a Sox jersey magnet. But I look at it sleeves every Sleeves or day. no sleeves? No sleeves. Oh. No sleeves? Mm-hmm. Best. Go. Best magnet. Best. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, to answer Vadan's question, uh, any news on who's replacing J- Jason Benetti? Uh, no. No. Not yet. It's going okay. on March 28th to just show up and somebody, yeah, I'm the guy. <laughs> Our girl. It's just going to be Steve Stone. Uh, anyways, that's going to do it. We'll be back here at 3.30. As Melissa says, stay warm. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Goodbye. Y'all silly like the mayor.